0: The rest of us were trying to relive our glory years at the bowling alley. And when I was younger, um, pre-marriage, I used to go bowling occasionally with my buddies. And it was good, clean fun, but I got really, really arrogant at the bowling alley. I got loud, cocky. I would harass the people I was bowling with and said smart-aleck things in my previous life. Just kind of obnoxious. That just was the old me. So when I went bowling with my friends Friday night, with whom I pastor, with whom I share God's word with on a regular basis, for who I shepherd, I stepped right back into that old role. And Man, I was just being a punk. I was harassing these guys, making fun of them. And about the third roll of the ball, actually, I hit a strike, and I went off on some kind of dance, and it kind of, it kind of just exasperated my arrogance, and so, bowling has modernized sometime, if you haven't been in a while, it's pretty cool, when you roll the ball down the lane, it actually measures the speed of the ball, so I'm getting ready to bowl, And Tommy Holliden is on my left, one of our board members here. And if you don't remember bowling etiquette, you're supposed to look to the right and let the person on the right go first. And so he he was being polite to me, but I said, Tommy, do you want to have a race to see who can get the ball down the lane the fastest? And he got the eye of the tiger. He said, it's on. All right. So we get ready and we do a three count. We go one, two, three. And I took off to roll that ball. And I'm not going to lie, my form was pretty good. I mean, I look pretty good doing this. And I, I had perfect form, and I came, and I put that ball back, and I, I screamed out an in intensity as I threw it down the lane. Well, everyone thought that was a scream of intensity, but what they didn't know, what they didn't realize, it wasn't really a scream of intensity. It was a scream of pain. Because, guys, as I rolled that ball and fully extended, I felt a pop in my left calf. I pulled a muscle bowling. (laughs) And it wasn't like one of these internal things that I could manage privately. Like, I walked back and started limping back to the... I mean, the, the rest of the day, I was swinging. I had no range of motion. Do you understand the ramifications of this? This means for the rest of my life, when I go bowling, I'm actually going to have to stretch before I bowl. humiliating, and it was a great reminder that humility does come, and hey, we're getting older, aren't we? Until Jesus returns to redeem the order of the world, the world is in some form of decay, and that's why Jesus makes all things new. Today, we're going to talk about one of the classic scriptures of the Old Testament, the Valley of the Dry Bones, and the title of my message is this, Dry Bones live again. God's people, as often happens, we're not ideally living up to his standards and so after he corrected them, he sent a word in Ezekiel 36 calling them back to greatness, calling them back to who they were going to be, and as often happens, we get the word of the Lord and we get the vision from God and that's exciting and exhilarating, and motivating, and then everything after that is tough, right? So Ezekiel has this vision, and that's the vision I want us now to read about together. Ezekiel chapter 37, starting with verse 1. The hand of the Lord was on me. Now, I want you to note as you glance up to the screen that I underlined those words on the screen because this has significance. The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. So here we have Ezekiel setting uh, the the setting, so to speak, giving the setting, saying that God's hand was on me and God placed me. Right away in our thinking, we think if the hand of the Lord is on me and the Lord is placing me somewhere, it's going to be good. Right? That, that's just our, our natural way to think. God's hands on me and God's placing me, it's all going to be good. But we'll see here in verse 1 and beyond, it was full of bones. The middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. In verse 2, He led me all around them, and there were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. This lets us know that death and decay had been there for a long, long time. Verse 3, Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I, Ezekiel, replied, Lord God, only you know. Here we see the sovereignty of God being honored and recognized through Ezekiel. He's saying, God, only you know. Only you know if... The bones can live again. As, we're, as we journey through this story and we see personal application and, and we, we journey towards gospel application, here's my first observation. My, my, first, um, my first observation is about placement. And it's this, is that God places us sometimes in the valley. He places us and leads us to the valley. You notice that that first scripture said the hand of God was on me. The hand of God was on me, and He placed me somewhere. Some of us that we're in environments and atmosphere where there seems to be death, where there seems to be decay, where there's not the life that we anticipated, are preferred. That doesn't mean we're not in the middle of God's will. See, God is a God of resurrection. In two weeks, we'll celebrate the resurrection with all of culture. But really, we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. And we celebrate the resurrection in every day. And the Lent season, we, we focus more on the, the spiritual side of death, because if we don't realize our spiritual death, then there's no need for a resurrection. If there isn't death, there's not need for life. If there isn't a grave, there's not a need. ...for the tomb to be emptied. So it is that we celebrate, we celebrate the resurrection because we have a need for it. So I I want you to think about your life for a second. What is in your life that has been dead for a long time? It's been dead for a long time, and in the natural... you, you, ...you have no reason to expect life to come from that relationship, from that opportunity for that dream, whatever it is. There's no reason to believe that life should come again. Can I remind you today that we serve a God who's the God of the resurrection. We serve a God who can look to what's impossible in the natural, to what's impossible with our physical eyes, what's impossible with our human reasoning and our understanding, and the sovereign God, when He chooses And when he moves, he can speak life to that which is dead, and he can resurrect that which is dead again. So the obvious metaphor is our sins. How many know that our sin is the valley of dry bones? Our sin represents, the valley of dry bones represents the sin in our life. It represents the death that comes when Sin entered the world and we inherit that nature and that nature causes us to choose wrong things. But sin manifests itself in more things than just moral choices. Sometimes we we suffer the consequences of other people's sin. And in our whole earth, in, in every part of, of the world, sinful choices and sinful things affect us all and we're never immune from sin until we see Jesus again, and He face to face, and He eradicates sin from the world. But within our sinful state, we're not hopeless. There's a renewal. There's a regeneration. There's life that's coming. And God wants you to realize that maybe the reason He's placed you in an atmosphere where there's death, it's not punitive. It's not because you don't have the favor of God. It's not because you're not blessed. If you're at that place where you're aware of death because resurrection is coming. The third day isn't here yet. Sunday morning hasn't quite arrived. The hand of the God is on you. The hand of God has placed you in the valley of dry bones. And you're right where you're supposed to be because He's positioning you for a miracle. If it was easy right now, if it was safe right now, if it was predictable right now, you wouldn't need God, would you? But the fact that you're at a hopeless place, you're at a place where The valley of dry bones, they're speaking death, death, decay, decay. Not just recent death, but there's been death for a long time and there is no hope in the natural. But the Lord has placed you there because the power of the Lord wants to resurrect something in your life. It may be the situation. It may be the circumstance. It it may be the relationship. I don't know, but I know this is that there's a resurrection coming within you. A resurrection of the man of God or the woman of God that he's called you to be. So don't despair today. Don't think that if your life, the atmosphere of your life is not preferable right now, that you're not at the mountaintop that you thought you would be at, that you're in a place where in the natural, there's piles and piles of bones and everything is in the natural state of decay the Lord's hand is still on you. The Lord has placed you there for a reason. This this happens a lot of different ways. You know, some of the greatest places of spiritual vitality that I've ever experienced have been in the places of the greatest poverty I've ever been. When I've been on mission trips to Monterey, Mexico, to Baja, Mexico, when, when I've seen the church in Turkey, when I've been at, at places where there's not advantages of nice buildings and government support and, and comfortable circumstances, in the natural, we would say, the church specialist would say, that church could never grow, right? The religious experts would say, well, that's not the right atmosphere for a church to thrive. But can I tell you, God's people thrive in adversity. God's people thrive when there's challenges. God's people thrive where there's a lack of comfort even. Because the Spirit breathes in unlikely places. And the Spirit breathes at unlikely times. And that gives us hope today that the Spirit is breathing on you and through you. And resurrection is right before you. God's going to resurrect the things we need. So we go to verse 4 here verse 4 of Ezekiel 7, he said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Other translations say, dry bones, live again. Hear the word of the Lord. Let me just remind you, it didn't say here, dry bones, hear my opinion. Dry bones, hear my manipulation. It doesn't say here, dry bones, hear the expression of humanism as I'm going to create my own future by uh, using special magical words. No, it says, prophesy, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. That word of prophecy can feel really intimidating to us. We can think, well, I thought that prophecy was only for Old Testament special prophets who who lived in the wilderness or in a modern day context. We, we think, well, I, I think prophecy is only for the mystics today, uh, those who are on the edges of Christianity and just the special Christians prophesy. But we're overcomplicating it. To prophesy simply means that we share what God is saying to someone else. And what better thing better knowledge, what more effective language can we share than the Scripture? The Scripture that has been given, that God has breathed upon the Scripture. The Scripture is not just any other book. The Scripture tells a story. The Scripture has a theme. It's God working, breathing upon the words that men have written down, that humanity has written down to pass on. And when we declare God's Word to a situation, we speak life to a situation. So who can prophesy? Anyone who can declare God's Word. Anytime you declare the Scripture over a situation submitted to the sovereignty of God, you're prophesying, you're declaring the Word of the Lord. And so verse 5 goes on to say this, "'This is what the Lord, God says to these bones.'" I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make your flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Here's a second observation. So God, he places us in the valley, but we speak to the valley. We speak life to the valley. We speak God's word to the valley. We speak God's perspective to the valley. We don't speak what we see. We speak what God sees. We don't speak what we think. We speak what God has declared. You know, one of the things that we do with our language is we try to modify our fears. We we feel better about our fears when we anticipate them. And so we begin to naturally, you know begin to give qualifiers to help our anxiety. So we'll say something like this. Well, he or she is not really the person I thought they were going to be. Or we'll say, well, that's just the way it is. I guess I'm, I'm never going to um, be able to pay off my debt. Or or, or we'll say, well, I guess that's just, just the way it is that, you know, some, something that the car was bound to break down and, and that's just the way it is. I'm always going to have car trouble. And we, we, begin, to, we begin to get negative. I'm giving you kind of simplistic examples here, but we, 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 get, we begin to uh, negatively speak so it doesn't catch us off guard when something negative happens. And, and that's a natural coping meta- mechanism that we have. And I'm not one to say that that's sinful or wrong. I don't want you to become paranoid. I don't want us to become a bunch of fake people who are like, we're never saying anything negative because that's not genuine either. That's just, that's just kind of goofy. What, what, what I'm saying is, is I'm saying that we have to move on the fear that causes us to be cynical and negative and, and expect the worst. And God wants to raise our perspective. And instead of fear, he wants to raise up faith that we begin to not see what we can see and, and, and what's visible with our natural eyes or what we can believe with our natural mind. But we begin to recognize and hear the word of the Lord for situations in our life. And we begin to see that that which was dead before through Jesus won't stay dead forever. That which is has been written off, that which is seen as a defeat, that valley that looks like it's a place of death, through Jesus and through His sovereign will, there's a resurrection that's coming to the valley. And because of that, we can begin to speak life through God's Word to situations in our life. And if I hope you get anything from this today, I hope that God can help change your language and change your perspective to line up with His perspective. And so, begin to Speak and prophesy towards our children. Our children will be involved in church again. Our children will love God's word again. Our children will make good choices for their future. We begin to speak over environments that we're over. The small group I'm in will function and be healthy. We will have community. I believe not because I'm saying it because I'm sinful. I, you know, listen. If it's up to what I say, I'm gonna fail. But. Because of who God is and what God has said and what God has declared, I'm going to align my words with the word of God. And I'm going to speak and prophesy life to the valley. This is what God is calling us to do. Anyone can point out the negative, right? Anyone can point out what's going wrong. It's so easy to deconstruct any situation, But it takes faith. It takes God. It takes his word to speak and prophesy life to that which is dead. To speak and prophesy life to that which has been written off. To speak and prophesy life to that which is in the valley of the dry bones. And God can give us the faith to speak what he has spoken. To say what he has said. To see what he has seen. That is a promise we have. So this is how the story, the story ends. Or really, the story is still unfolding. Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And I, as I was prophesying, there was a noise. Now, this is great language. You can just let your imagination begin to join the scripture here. As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breath Come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. Verse 10, so I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath entered them and they came to life and they stood on their feet, a vast army. This is a vision that Ezekiel was having, having. A vision, a vision of this place of desolation This place of emptiness, this place of decay, that when the sovereign God tells you, you prophesy, you speak to that, you speak life to that, that which was impossible, that which was unlikely, that which was unbelievable, happened right there. The valley of the dry bones was not the ending place, it was the beginning place. The valley of the dry bones was not the place where everything finished, it was the beginning of the resurrection. And here's the third point, is God resurrects the valley god resurrects the valley he causes life to spring up again he causes the bones to rattle and to reconnect he causes the flesh to grow again he causes the tendons to come on and this resurrection becomes an army his army how many know that's what the church is we're a bunch of dried up bones that were left for nothing. We were left in decay. But the Holy Spirit breathed upon us. And the resurrection power of Jesus came upon us. And God took a lot of dry bones... And He breathed His Spirit upon us. And we came together as a church, bone by bone, tendon by tendon. Flesh began to grow upon us. And we didn't become a lot of scattered, dry bones. We became a mighty army. The church, universal, all over the world today. On every continent, in virtually every language, Jesus is being proclaimed. The cross is being lifted up. The resurrection is demands a celebration in two weeks on Resurrection Sunday. Why? Because God has taken unlikely people and He has resurrected us to be an army that declares His name. And this is hope that we have, right? This is the hope that we have. And so this is what the Lord says. And I I want you to see this starting in verse 10. And and then He said to me, prophesy. Then He said to me, son of man, These these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look, Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord your God says, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. Let me just say something right here. Let's go back to that previous verse if you can. This... Prophecy has happened in a couple of different waves. One of the waves has happened in our lifetime. When the Jewish people became a nation again in 1948, when in 1967 they miraculously defended themselves against the League of Arab Nations, this was a sign of Ezekiel 37 coming true again. Ezekiel 37, the Jewish people... And the regathering of the Jewish people in their ancestral land is a sign that God's word does come true. That God, when He says something, it comes to pass. And that's one of the reasons that we love Israel. And we love the Jewish people. We love it because God's made a covenant with them. And that covenant doesn't mean that He loves them more than He loves us. God doesn't love the Jews more than He loves the Palestinians. God doesn't love Americans more than He loves Iranians or North Koreans. He loves all people the same. He loves all people, but He has put special purpose on Jewish, the Jewish people to birth the Messiah and to bring the Messiah back. And He doesn't break His covenants. And so... When we begin to see God working among the Jewish people, this is a sign to us that God's word is true, that God's word will come to pass. And they themselves and the nation of Israel is a sign to you that what God has promised you will come to pass. What God has promised you will come to pass. It's one of the reminders that his word is true. So why does God keep his word? Why does God keep his promises? Look at what verse 13 says. Verse 13 says, You will know that I am the Lord, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. Verse 14, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. The Lord will cause his word to come to pass for you. I can't promise you when. I can't promise you how, but if Jesus, if you believe he's the son of God, and if you believe that he voluntarily gave his life on the cross, and you believe in that resurrection on the third day, that God is a promise keeper, God is a God of covenant. When God makes a covenant with his people, he brings it to pass, and you are his people. God is going to cause the good things He's promised you to come to pass in your life. This is a sign. The valley of the dry bones is a sign to you. It's a sign, and we see it coming to pass in our Jewish friends. And now we see it coming to pass in our personal lives. We see God bringing His Word and and causing us to be faithful and to hold on and to believe. So where does this bring us to the gospel? you see because it all goes back to the good news of Jesus and i know this is that the greater story than the regathering of the jews is going to be the sal- full salvation of the jews when the jews fully recognize jesus as the messiah and the scripture talks about that it talks about that in romans 9 romans 10 romans 11 we kind of skip from romans 8 to romans 12 but romans 9 10 and 11 are powerful declarations of the future the full grafting in of the Jews. We're going to see that. We're going to see God do that. And that, that's, that's a blessing. And that's a part of the gospel. But the more important thing is this. Is that Jesus died for the whole world. Jesus died for all of humanity. Jesus died for everyone. Resurrection power is not just for the select. It's not just for the few. It's for the whole world. Jesus covered the sins of the entire world. He loves all nations. He loves all ethnic groups. He loves all people. He loves all generations. He loves all ways we categorize people. And he wants to share his resurrection power. Jesus raised a man named Lazarus right before his resurrection as foreshadowing his resurrection power. And when he was discussing this with one of Lazarus' sister, he said this in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Is that not a powerful statement? He didn't say the Jew who believes in me. He didn't say the the American who believes in me. He he didn't say just a special chosen elite who believe in me only. He says the one who believes in me. Even if he dies, we'll live. This is the gospel message that Jesus has come and he is the one who has restored the sin in the valley of the dry bones. Jesus, when he came out of the tomb, when he came out of the grave, when he came out on the third day, that's when the bones came together. That's when the tendons came back on. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, he breathed life into that resurrection for all of us so that the power of God is not just something we read about or talk about or sing about. The power of God is something we experience. Resurrection power is not a myth. It's not a story. It's alive in this room right now. Resurrection power is this space between us. I want you to stand with me and I want us to look as we're standing at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead Will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. The story of the dry bones was a vision. The story of the dry bones was a dream that was written down, but it is not just a distant story. It's foreshadowing the story that we're right in the middle of right now. We're right in the middle of the resurrection story because God is redeeming the world he's redeeming us, he's redeeming our hearts, and he's causing new life. And that spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in this place, and it's alive in you right now. And we're here as partakers, partakers of the life we have in the spirit of God. I want to pray with you today. Father, I come to you right now, Lord, and I thank you that, Lord, on this morning, God, You chose for us to go to Ezekiel 37. And He chose for us to go to John chapter 11. And He chose for us to go to Romans chapter 8. Because you're the God of the resurrection. You're not the God of death. You're not the God of decay. You're not the God of endings. You're the God of life. You're the God of beginnings. You're the God of resurrection. God, you're the God of new life. Lord, many in here smell decay. They smell death. They're walking around in... And what are metaphorically bones, but Lord, it's not over yet. We speak to the situation. We speak to that death. And we say, Dry bones, live again. We say, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. We say, That which seems dead, that which seems gone, you will hear again the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is coming forth, and you will hear the word of the Lord again. Lord, we speak to wayward children right now. I want us to prophesy to wayward children for children who no longer want to go to church, who no longer are interested in Scripture, to children who have a spirit of rebellion on them. We say, dry bones, live again. Hear the word of the Lord. Let the word of the Lord come. Lord, we pray, God, for uh, those who are in rebellion, God, those who have turned their hearts away from God, those who have turned their hearts away from the gospel. We say, dry bones, live again. We say, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, Lord, we speak now to the most important, category here. We speak to ourselves. We speak to our hearts. I speak to Aaron Allison's heart, my heart that wants to stray, my heart that wants to wonder, my heart that hardens my heart to the Holy Spirit. And I speak to the dry bones in my valley. And I say, hear the word of the Lord, hear the voice of God, hear the Spirit of God move again. We thank you for a fresh breath of your spirit that's coming, God. A fresh breath that's coming on your people, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that resurrection power is alive. We're not going to wait for two weeks for resurrection power because it's alive. It's oozing around us. It's all around us, and we step into your resurrection power. We step into what you have, God, and we believe what your word says. We stop believing only what you can see. Stop believing only what you can understand. Stop believing only what you can comprehend. Hear the word of the Lord. Speak the word of the Lord over your situation. Speak the word of the Lord over your dream. Speak the word of the Lord over that opportunity. Speak the word of the Lord over that which is dead and broken in your life. Believe again. How many know that there is a faith that's greater than the fear? You may be scared today. You may be in fear. That means you're a candidate for faith. That means faith is here for you. Faith is coming and faith is going to come and replace the fear in your life. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We, we commit this time to you, these last few minutes we have together for you to do ministry here, God. And we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Beth's going to minister in music and we're going to give you a chance to just respond to the Lord today. Some of you want to respond to communion. A lot of t- Most Sundays, many of you do. The majority of you do. And you don't have to. Um, but it's open to you. There's communion here at the front, here at the back. For this particular Sunday, I won't give instructions about communion. When your heart's ready, uh, you can take the bread and take the cup. I will say this, and I I am going to give you a word of instruction as far as flow. I've been thinking, I think it would be most helpful if, if we came down this aisle and this aisle to receive, or in the back, and then we use the outer aisles and the middle aisles to return to our seats. And I think that would would help with some of the congestion. So again, this aisle here and this aisle here will either come to the front or the back and then we'll use the middle aisle and the outside aisle to return to our seats. But you may want to sit. You may want to come to these steps as an altar. You may want to pray with me or one of our pastors or one of our prayer partners. And we'll be be here and at the back. So prayer partners will be available for you. You may want to speak the word over someone else here. If you're in relationship with someone here and, and, and God, God leads you to share a scripture or to share a word of encouragement that aligns with the scripture, go to somebody and pray with them. Ask them if you can pray with them. Ask them if you can share something with them. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak through people on the platform. He speaks to all people. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak through a microphone. He speaks through a spirit uh, that's in tune with God. It's not about who's up front, it's, it's who's in tune with the Spirit. It's who's in step with the Spirit. You don't have to be eloquent to speak the word of the Lord. You don't have to be a good public speaker. In fact, some of the greatest words from the Lord that I've gotten have been people have written down and, and have emailed me and in past years have sent me letters on them and those have been some of the most meaningful, thoughtful uh, voices in my life. And so God speaks through all of us. And so I just encourage you to stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Stay in step with Him. Uh, Let Him be your partner. Let Him help you. Let Him guide you. You may want to sit and reflect. We commit this time to you, Lord. Lord, we pray. Thank your resurrection powers here. And Lord, as we pray with one another, as uh, many of us go to the Lord's table, Lord, uh, we, we dedicate this time to you for your purposes. Cause your life to breathe on us again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The table of the Lord is open.